Hello, and welcome to the MXU Worship Podcast hosted by Stephen Brewster. Each episode features great conversations between Stephen and all kinds of worship leaders, from the most prolific songwriters from prominent churches to folks you may have never heard of. Either way, we hope that these resources and conversations will encourage, equip, and empower you to be the best worship leader you can be. Make sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast, too, so you can stay up to date on all of our episodes and other resources. Lindy, thanks for joining us today. I'm so glad you're here. Yes, stoked to be here. So tell us a little bit about your journey. How does an Oklahoma girl end up in Hawaii and then end up in Huntington Beach? That is a great question. And I love that you you already knew the location. So I um, mean, <laughs> yeah, born and raised in Oklahoma, Bible Belt, Edmond, Oklahoma, kind of, you know, I knew about Jesus yep. my whole life, which is, you know, this ties into how I got to Kona. Um, I basically thought you believed in Jesus to not go to hell. And that right. was my perception. So then what took me to Kona, Hawaii was in my high school years, I was a junior in high school. There was a girl in my high school who clearly knew Jesus. Right. She just was full of his spirit, always telling people about Jesus. And I thought, this is so strange, you know, but then deep down though, I knew she, she knows something I don't know. Right. And it really did provoke a hunger in me. And so I just started, you know, looking for God in my own ways, trying yeah. to hang out with people who I was like, man, you know, something I don't. And then one thing led to another. And I found out about YWAM, which stands for youth with a mission. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going on a mission trip my senior year of high school and had an encounter with God. And I was like, Whoa. So I Googled mission school and that's what popped up was youth with the mission and the largest yeah. base in Kona, Hawaii. So then that's how I got to Kona, right. like crazy. Did the school there was there for four years. That's, you know, it was amazing. So much yep. happened. There. I, I can save it for later. And then Kona sent a team to Southern California in 2011 to do full-time campus ministry so then that's, that connects all the dots, Oklahoma, Kona, California. Wow. Now in your bio, it says that you're a missionary. Mm-hmm. Can you unpack that a little bit? Totally. I will say this first and foremost, that I feel like God is amplifying the great commission to the church in this hour in such a beautiful way where yeah. we're all picking up our, our calling as missionaries, right? Ambassadors yeah. of Christ. Obviously Paul lived this way. So the reason why I say that is because I'm still fully a part of YWAM, Youth with a Mission. It just looks a little different because I'm not overseas in an unreached people group. I'm living in Southern California, going to college campuses, which is super fun. So we're a missional community. That meaning we um, we run a training school and every, it's like three months training school and then three months we send people out. So we go to campuses in Europe. There's a few campuses now in Africa that we're going to. And then also, of course, in the United States. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's amazing, by the way. Um, My parents are missionaries, so I grew up on the mission field. So when I saw that in your bio, I was like, oh my gosh, we didn't, I didn't know we had that connection. Um, I love that. Tell me a little bit about how you got, like, how did worship leading and music like develop inside of you? Where did that come from? Another really great, great question, because I will say I never pursued leading worship. I sang, I did done like choir, different Mm -hmm. things like that, but nothing like, Oh, I want to lead worship. 
So a really long story short is when I met Jesus, when I went to Kona, I just encountered the cross in a way mm-hmm. I never had. And it, even when I talk about it, I feel like I'm there. I feel like wow. I'm right back there. It was one of those encounters with truth, scriptural truth that changes you. And I realized what was taken from me on the cross. Well, now at this exact same time, this amazing couple named Andy and Holly Bird, they lead an initiative called The Send. They, they um, had been invited to come to Kona, Hawaii to start a prayer room. Now, I don't know. This is when prayer room was not like cool, like right. the trending you know, I'm like right. a house of prayer. What is that? You live in a house and pray. Like, I don't know what a house of prayer is, <laughs> right. but it was a God thing. Our, our timeline of when we were in YWAM collided. And so I knew when I was there staffing, staffing these schools, leading outreaches to different places like China, South Africa. Um, I collided with this amazing couple that had come to pioneer a house of prayer. And because there weren't a ton of worship leaders, in Kona at this time, if you could hold a note, you were leading worship in the house of prayer now. Right. So I wanted to serve. I was like, yeah, let's do this. And he had heard me. He had passed by. I was just like, had a guitar under a tree. (laughs) And I was just singing to God because I was just learning how to worship as a new believer. And, you know, you hear people teach on the secret place and worshiping God alone. And, um, so really long story short, I started leading worship in Kona in the prayer room there. Then I started leading corporately. And then before I knew it, I was like leading worship and being asked to go places to lead worship. And it was like, I accidentally fell into it, but it was a massive part of my walk with the Lord because I just started encountering those biblical truths of worship. You know, you've got the seven Hebrew words for praise, the different words for worship. It was like in my own journey with the Lord, I began to encounter these things. So, wow. That's so cool. I mean, I, I got exposed to like the, the, like, I don't want to say prayer room culture because it's not, that makes it sound like a corporate thing. And it's such a spiritual and, and beautiful thing, but yeah. I, I got exposed to like what prayer rooms were and, and the international house of prayer and all, and all of that. Um, yeah. In, in like, like early 2000s and it like blew my mind. Like I'd never yeah. experienced anything like that before. And so, uh, so cool to hear how you got into it. So on that line of thought, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but like when you're in the prayer room and you feel like God's given you a song, how do you discern if that song is like for the prayer room and for that moment, or that song is like for the the nations? That is I love this question. You mean like for the nations in terms of like it's be, it goes beyond the prayer room. Like it's not it, it's something Got like it. hey, we should try to record this or we need to let more people hear this. How how do you discern those that that? That is a incredible question because you know one of these words for praise and even when Paul says, you know, let's you gather and do psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. That word spiritual song literally means an unrehearsed song. So to operate in the spontaneous and have spontaneous flow in worship is very biblical. And in my opinion, I think more teaching on it would activate more people to rest in it and it not feel like a, you know, a charismatic thing specifically. Right. It's a very biblical thing. But it is as a songwriter, it is so important that you ask, you're leaning into your team 
of course, first and foremost, leaning into the Holy Spirit, but leaning mm-hmm. into your team. So like we have a house of prayer and circuit writers called Greenhouse. And many times a course will come out and you'll go, whoa, that carried us into a new revelation of Jesus. It's that unrehearsed song mm-hmm. Paul's talking about in songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. And sometimes it's for that moment. Sometimes it is meant to go put verses in a chorus or whatever, mm-hmm. a verse and a bridge around it to bring people into what happened. Right. But one thing we've noticed is when it comes up multiple times. So we have this chorus called tear down the idols that we ended up singing 10, 20, 30 times to the point where we went, okay, this has got to be a song now. So I think you pay attention to those, those certain choruses that you continually feel rise up in your heart. You know, so, but it is really important to discern what is just for that moment spontaneously in the, in a prayer set and what is meant to be taken out of that context and be a song for the global church to sing. Yeah, that's so good. Um, Okay. So some of our listeners are hearing you talk about the prayer room and they're like, I'm getting off this podcast right now and go into my prayer room because I just want to be in God's presence. And then some of them, some people who are listening are like, I don't even know where to start with the prayer room. And I love what you said. It's not, it's not a charismatic thing. It's a biblical thing. If somebody has never experienced that environment, how would you tell them to start? Like, where would somebody start to develop that in their church or in their local community? Amazing question. The, uh, number one, you start with opening up scripture. So, and what do I mean by that? You know, we have the verse where it says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And mm-hmm. what's so beautiful is when you understand the Old Testament tabernacle and what has happened, you know, this, how the order of it, the veil being at, you know, the entry point, there's one door and all of the tabernacle is shadowing what was to come in through Jesus. And when, and Jesus at the cross, when this ties together your question, when it says he tore the veil, the veil tore from top to bottom, Mm -hmm. which means it tore at the Holy of Holies. Right. Wow. And so when you understand biblically this, the be- this beauty of the tabernacle and what Jesus, the order, he, th- why he did it, you understand what the blood of Jesus has brought us into, specifically in the place of encountering God's presence and knowing who he is and fellowshipping with the Lord through worship. That is a great place to start is to go, what has the blood of Jesus given us access to? Because so much, and it's it's beautiful, you know, we we come together on Sunday mornings and we have amazing songwriters who are, are fueling songs for the global church that we get to partake in and sing mm-hmm. to him. But the prayer room, it's kind of, it's you're setting space apart for not just worship and singing, but worship, intercession, and prayer. And it's, it really is a combination of all these things. You come in, you enter in his, his gates with Thanksgiving, right? So when I say open up your Bible, Open up your Bible and start with scriptures that talk about prayer and praise. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. One thing we always do is start with thanksgiving. So if you're like, man, I want to try something like this. Get in your living room, get some people, start thanking Jesus. Pick a few songs that are about thanksgiving, right? And then from that place, you just go, what are some things we want to pray about? Because intercession is in, it's in the Holy of Holies. You know, so it's this beautiful thing. And intercession, of course, is praying on behalf of someone or something else. So I think the first thing is to dive in biblically. What does the Bible say about prayer and intercession and worship? 
And how do we gather people to exercise those things? Awesome. What a great answer. Um, Okay. You're part of circuit riders, but other than than being like a a motorcycle gang, what is the circuit riders? Like (laughs) unpack it for somebody who doesn't know. Yes. I love this question because I, even the name sometimes I'm like, I just love how the Lord named it circuit rider. So if you don't know what Mm. circuit rider, that term really came from the second great awakening, Francis Asbury, John Wesley, there was these preachers who literally they would have circuits that they would be called to, and they would commit to where they would preach the gospel, but not just preach the gospel. They'd operate in discipleship, you know, it's really prioritizing discipleship. So you had this, these preachers and they basically took on the name circuit riders because they literally had circuits that they would ride to. Now let's rewind back to where I lived in Kona. The Lord began to speak and giving people different dreams and different things saying, I'm, I'm raising up circuit riders again. And everyone's like, what are circuit riders? Right. So our leaders begin to study why, why is the Holy Spirit speaking this? What does this mean? And as they as they begin to study and share with all of us, we were like, this is beautiful. It's it's these people who operated in the simplicity of the gospel, saying yes to go wherever God called them, with this simplicity of preaching the gospel, valuing discipleship, and like basically seeing communities prioritize the presence of God. And so we kind of just went, oh, we didn't think we'd name ourselves that. But when we took on the assignment to go to university campuses, it was like, all right, circuit riders, like that's kind of the word. So people are like, so who are you? We're like, oh, I guess circuit riders, you know? And then it just stuck. And now it's like, you're circuit riders. And it's just amazing because there's a little bit of a history lesson with it. Yeah, that's amazing. But if if you don't know it, it's like, oh, the circus... The circus guys are here. I'm like, no, but that's okay. No, we didn't bring any monkeys. We have no monkeys with yeah, us at all. Yeah. None. Um, um, you have fostered some children and adopted some children. Yeah. How has that impacted you as a worship leader and a songwriter? Deeply. You know, when we first, we were married two years and we felt like it was time to start a family. And the more we started praying, the Lord spoke to us about foster care. And, and when I say the Lord spoke to us, it really came a few different ways. We had collided, met some people who had done it and our hearts were so stirred. We knew we were called to it. And then, um, just a few other things. And we went, Oh, we were really supposed to do this. But if you know anything about foster care, you're not number. The number one thing is not adoption. The number one thing is reunification with bio parents. Right. So we knew doing this, like this will change our travel schedule. You can't even travel without a judge approving. You can wow. go. So it was a really big lesson for me because I went, Chase, if we do this, like I can't travel, we can't travel. What are we going to do? And as a worship leader, it changed me because I went, but God is asking us to do this. Right. So is obedience still the highest prize of my heart or is taking care of my ministry gotten in the way of that. So it was actually a pretty big life moment for me when we decided to do this because I knew um, certain tours were in the talk, like certain things. And I had never been on a big tour. I kind of knew if I said yes to this, 
it would mean all these opportunities that I knew were coming up would not be opportunities anymore. And, and that's exactly what happened. And I had to have that moment with the Lord of going, what's my prize? Is it your mm-hmm. voice? That's a word, your word being a lamp into my feet or that I would kind of be driven to steward my worship calling, but not right. be tending to your voice. So it's actually a really big biblical and life lesson for me and my husband. And we have zero regrets. I remember like a year and a half into fostering, someone was like, I feel like you disappeared. And I was like, I did joyfully. The right. Lord gave me a different assignment. And I kept writing, kept leading locally here. And I feel like, you know, our album that just came out, the first part of it, I saw the Lord. Like, these are the songs from that season wow. of just saying yes to motherhood, saying yes to new seasons, and ultimately just yes to the voice of Jesus. That is, uh, I mean, when, what you just said, you, you had to ask yourself, has ministry gotten in the way of you obeying God? Like doing ministry is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But it, it could have been get, getting in your way of obeying. That is like, my mind is blown right now. Um, so you, you're back on the circuit a little bit now, right? Yeah. Like yep. traveling. So as a circuit rider, what are you seeing happening globally in worship right now? I am seeing this return to authenticity. It's everywhere. Nobody wants the fabricated, And everywhere I go, it doesn't matter if it's someone who's been doing this a long time or is new, there is this unified heart cry for the presence of God and the real thing. Yeah, It's just, people are hurting. People need Jesus and his presence. You know, it's like the woman, it's John four, the woman at the well. I really believe God is raising up houses of worship through the local church, through, you know, missional organizations, different things. but. I, I can see it's like he's he's raising up these wells of worship mm-hmm. for people to come and experience Jesus, right? But get to know him and and understand what worship is. Of course, we know worship's more than a song, it's our life. Right. Surrender to him. But I think what's happening globally in the worship movement right now is there is this purification of the heart. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I know to say it. There's a purification of the heart. That's so, so good. Um so a lot of the people that listen to our podcast are going to be local worship leaders in their churches. They may never um, come out to Huntington Beach to write a song, but um, what would you tell a young worship leader who's just getting started to help them avoid maybe a trap that you fell into early on or to help them grow in what they do as a worship leader? Yeah. Number one would be if you find yourself feeling like you've got to hustle to build your name, just stop. You stay faithful in that secret place. Stay faithful with the body that God's called you to, your local church, wherever he's planted you. Serve those people well. If you're a worship leader, one thing I have, I'm I'm so glad that I did learn this at a young age, was leading worship at the the base in Kona, the youth was the mission base. I just got locked in. I didn't travel very much. And just focused on serving on those Monday mornings and Thursday nights. And yep. it, it changed me. Cause I went, we went, we, you go somewhere as a body, you learn to worship as a community, not just the worship leader, right? Cause we're a kingdom of right. priests, whether you sing or not, we're all worshipers. And I think the more you can have that biblical 
foundation of we're a kingdom of priests. You're using your gifting to pull everyone into this reality that we've been brought into by the blood of Jesus. So number one is, is if you feel like you've got to hustle to get your name out there, stop and slow down because I just feel there is this culture, social media. It's just made us feel like you got to get it out. Got to get it out. Got to get it out. I'm not saying it's not bad. Like I post my songs when they come out. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm talking about the inner workings of your heart that only you and God know the motivation. Mm -hmm. And you, if you feel like your motivation has, even if it's off just a little bit, you know, it's like a compass can be a little bit off, but a long way down the road, it's far off. So you just got to make sure to have those heart checks of what's motivating me. What's driving me. Is it like this passion for his presence and for people to know his presence and only really you can know that. Yeah, that is so, so good. Um, so you write songs a lot. You're very, very prolific as a songwriter. What, how do you stay fresh as a songwriter? How do you stay inspired? Cause I mean, I know that you don't only write when you're inspired, you write all the time, but when mm-hmm. you start to feel yourself getting dry, what are the things that you go to, 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 become fresh again? Great question. Um, number one, I call it exploration. And that mm-hmm. is, you know, right behind me is my keyboard. And I'll sit down with no agenda and just start singing whatever I'm feeling. Maybe it is, Lord, I feel distant. It's almost like your own version of the Psalms, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, especially by having a songwriter block, I'll journal that too. I'll journal, you know, what am I how am I feeling? What's going right. on? Right. So that's kind of number one is getting your heart before the Lord. Like, I'm just going to sing. Number two is singing scripture as mm. it's like open up the verse, sing the actual text and wow. then sing what it means to you. So we actually just did this exercise in our school. We have 200 students here right now. I said, guys, just, just go with me. I'm going to open to a verse. I'm not premeditating this. Right. And I had, I opened up to John 15. I was so grateful because I'm like, this is a great verse. <laughs> you know, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And I sang it word for word. And it was amazing. You can just, there's an authority in scripture, right? Yeah. There is an authority in scripture. If I could, if I could say one sentence to songwriters, it'd be this dear songwriters, there is authority in scripture. Wow. Period. And we started singing the scripture word for word. And so I demonstrated, okay, now I'm going to sing what I'm feeling, what I'm sensing when I read the scripture. I want to remain in you. I'm Mm -hmm. nothing apart from you. And it was so funny because it started overflowing. And then this chorus came out and I I told the school, I'm like, I'm actually going to write a song around this. But I said, so two things were just demonstrated the authority of scripture. But then also, if you feel like you're not a songwriter, you can always open up the book yeah. and and sing the scripture and just see what comes from your heart. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, a lot of our worship leaders are are local and you know their churches are are you know maybe a hundred people, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Um, ministry sometimes can get hard. What would you say to encourage a worship leader in this season? I really, really love this community. Who's your, who are you fellowshipping with? Mm-hmm. Who are you sitting around a table with? You know, I feel like that's kind of been such a buzzword lately, like the table, right. but it's so 
the way of Jesus. You know, before he goes to the cross, he literally gathers his disciples around a table. Mm-hmm. So I think my biggest thing for worship leaders is stay connected, stay rooted where you're at and stay vulnerable, stay checking in. Don't, don't be afraid. Matthew 18, I tell people, I hear all the time. It's like people have no problem talking about people to each other, but I'm like, we got to find the sweetness of Matthew 18 again. Don't be afraid to do community, even when it's hard. Um, Find your people, find your people and, and go deep. That's awesome. Lindy, thanks for taking some time today. Thanks for being willing to pour into um, us through song and through the ministry that you've done, but also today, just in a, in a quick conversation. So fun. So how do you feel about that conversation? I walked away totally inspired and a little bit with my mind blown because of some of the things that Lindy said. I loved how she talked about spiritual songs and songs and hymns and how it's biblical to create spiritual songs. And I just want to challenge you as a worship leader. If you haven't, if you don't have a prayer room or that type of culture in your church, you can do it and it not be weird. And I love that that's how Lindy just described it. So I would encourage you to give that a shot. Um, I also love when she talked about has ministry gotten in the way of our obedience? And I know in my seasons in, in, in ministry, I've had moments where I can tell you for sure that I was not obeying, but I was still doing the ministry. And, and I just hope for you today that you're finding the ability to obey, even if that costs you a season in ministry. God already knows what the outcome is. He already knows the future. And if there's something that you need to talk about, confess, just be obedient to, I would just encourage you today, find someone and reach out to them and and move forward because that's God's desire. He wants you to keep moving forward. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, maybe you could share it with one person. Uh, if you could post on Instagram or TikTok about us, make sure you tag us so we can, we can share it with others. And man, I look forward to talking to you guys next week.